0: Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Byrd of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? Today we're going to be talking about why we sing in church on Sunday mornings.
1: Yeah, so maybe to jump into this topic, maybe let's just give kind of our off-the-cuff takes of how that element of worship on Sunday morning like where that fits for how we approach worship maybe it's does that make sense how I'm asking that
0: yeah um for me i think it starts with the idea of going to a corporate worship kind of being this sacrifice of our time which we acknowledge it's it's a place where we get to encounter god's presence in just another way Uh, And the worship or, you know, the portion where we're singing, for me, is just an important part of, um, you know, expressing gratitude for God and who he is and what he's done um, in that that segment. Like, I think it's important for me to understand that I'm singing directly to God. I'm praising him. I'm giving him what he deserves. And kind of in the culture we live in, which we've talked about a bunch of times, you know, we always expect things— in return, we want things given to us, we pay for a service and we get it granted, but in this moment, you know, when I'm singing, I kind of try and think about, well, I don't need anything, I'm here to focus on who God is and what he's already done, what he's already provided, what he's done for us as his church and what he's done for me personally. Not trying to get anything out of it, but just selflessly giving God what is his, which is you know, my whole heart in worship and adoration. Those are my thoughts on it. What about you?
1: In general, so maybe I should back up here for a moment. Part of the reason we're talking about this subject is we're starting a series of episodes just kind of talking about the various elements that occur within our typical worship gathering, at least the Clarence Church of Christ, and just talking about the meaningfulness of like why they are part of our worship gathering and how that impacts the, you know, the worshiper that comes, whether that's you, me or whoever else is there in the moment. And then I think we can also, you know, some of our conversation conversation, will talk about how that extends beyond Sunday morning, probably as well. Um, Cause a lot of these things bleed beyond the hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning as well. But yeah, I, so I think for me, this could be answered in at least one way of music is not the primary thing that I tend to like. It's not the thing that gives me like the Jesus high on Sunday, if you want to for lack of a better term, like it can, I I guess I shouldn't say it, it can't. It's just not the thing that I'm usually anticipating, but I know there's some people who like that is very much like where they're there's very much more of a like intimacy with Jesus kind of moment or with God, like a communion with him in a sense that happens through that, that doesn't happen in some of the other elements of worship. Whereas for me, it's part of it. Like if it's not there, like it's, there's something off like that. That's part of it for me. Like, so it needs to be there as far as I'm concerned, but it's not the thing that like, for me, I guess that gets me is emotionally tied to it is probably the better way of putting it. Um, I think one thing that I, when I take a step back and think about music that takes place on a Sunday morning or in Sunday worship, I think one thing that I have noticed over time is that it is an element of worship that beyond scripture and beyond maybe like direct history that's referenced in like a sermon or something like that, it's an element that ties me to the church in history or the church in years gone by or like the saints who've gone before me because a lot of the music that is part of our worship or at least that we include in a church service are by everyday saints trying to follow Jesus in everyday life and recording their experience following him through the ups and downs similar to like what we see in the Psalms with David and, and some of the other writers that are captured in in the Psalms but when we see that from the hymns that We sing, we see it from the lyrics that are captured even sometimes way earlier than like the hymn style of music, but they're incorporated into that style of music, or even both of those elements that are incorporated into more contemporary sounding music. um, They all capture people striving to follow Jesus in the ups and downs of life throughout history. And so there's sort of like a great cloud of witnesses thing that you get to be a part of in doing that. Like you're, you're incorporated into how God has been moving in and through the the life of the church throughout history. And so I think there's, there's a, there's an awesome dynamic that's a part of that. And it can easily just slip by to think like, well, I, I'm not as into this kind of music or something like that. And, but I think when you look at the, the more profound element going on there. That that's one thing that stands out to me. And I think another part of that is just learning from their experiences too. Um, like maybe a somewhat classic song for some people, but like the song, it is well Um, is it, it is well with my soul. I can't try to remember the whole title of the song, but from what I know of the backstory of that, I mean, it it's a song that comes out of like deep tragedy. So like when we have moments of tragedy or just like, life is just stinks at that moment. You know that there's someone else who followed Jesus and had God carry them through a horrible situation. And it, it at least makes you feel like you're not the only one who's had to deal with that. And like you have their faith to sort of help carry you through so that you're faithful in your moment as well. And so like, those are some things that stand out to me. Um, and it's one of the reasons like I'm, I I guess I would say I'm not someone who's like, it has to all be new music. Like, I think there's a place for newer music, but if you ditch the historical stuff, I think we're ditching the benefits that come with it for us today in our age. What are some other thoughts you have about singing and worship on Sunday morning? Or if you want to tie on to anything I said too.
0: Yeah, so what you're getting at kind of helps me narrow down my thoughts on it, which is like, Singing during a worship service is like a for me a moment of real deep praise, you know, for who God is. And we kind of talked before recording this that you're kind of getting into the Romans, the beginning of Romans twelve idea that worship is more than just singing. Worship encapsulates the entire lifestyle that we live, you know. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Before that, off your bodies. Uh, as holy and living sacrifices before God. This is your true and proper worship. That's what it says. Um, And in those moments where we're praising God for his character and, you know, we're singing those words and, you know, hopefully we believe those words, in inspiration of that character and those kind of aha moments, hopefully his character and what he's done for us and our thankfulness for him inspires us and motivates us to live that lifestyle. And I think it also helps that we're praising God together, kind of like what you're talking about in terms of the historical songs and how we're not the only ones who are going through this. It can help to be singing with other people in concert to God who believe the same things so that we know we're not just doing this in a vacuum. We have a community of people that we can rely on. Um, And, yeah, I mean, those are just some of the, the more motivational stuff. Uh, or inspirational stuff for me it's the it's the community and the praise that I think shapes us into the the wholeness of what worship is. It just kind of like gives us direction into that movement at least in in my opinion, kind of what I've experienced i guess
1: yeah i am trying to think of what language I would use to describe this i mean there's i mean one of the things you you talked about was just being reminded of who god's character is like in in a lot of ways music or the songs that we sing make the faith that we have in Christ, it, it, it more, I don't know if I'm, I don't want to say simplifies it, but it makes it like easily shareable and transferable from like week to week, month to month, year to year, decade to decade, generation to generation, and just like snippets of a few lines. I mean, we see some of this in scripture, like in the new Testament, there's a few chunks within the new Testament that a lot of people will say, well, this was probably an early hymn. And like, we don't maybe catch it as much in our English translations. I mean, this is probably even more true in the old Testament with some of the mnemonic. Is that the right terminology? I think of like the rhyming that that happens within language. There's a lot of it that happens in Hebrew. I, I know that, that we don't catch in our own English translations because it's just lost in translation. Um, like there's some parallelism and some things like that that we just don't catch as easily. But those things were helpful for people to pass on the faith from generation to generation. I mean, especially when you had more, what we would consider illiterate generations um, and it was more of an oral culture. And in some ways, like the, the 21st century is kind of circled back in some ways. Like if you think about how we pass on information in our day and age like yes there's text and some of that stuff but it's oral and in videography and like images that that I mean think of emojis I mean emojis are simplified ways of like communicating a complex thing in some ways but it's it's packaged in a small easily transferable packet if you will um so we kind of live in a similar day and age And so, like, we we have similar things in other ways that we do that. But I I feel like it's one way that it easily passes on the faith in a way that, like, from almost young to old can kind of catch on. Like, even my my oldest son, who's going to be five soon, he doesn't really have any idea what he's singing half the time when he hears some of these songs. But he's already knowing the words. And he knows it because of the rhythm and the rhyme and whatever that he can already at least pronounce it. Like, and he's five or almost five. I mean. Yeah. So there's something about that medium that allows I think the faith to help be transferred from generation to generation and so I think that's one thing again where that carries on in, into today um, maybe and unless you have something kind of else to touch with that I'd be interested to talk about like just the style differences and if there's anything for from our point of view that stands out there or is worth talking about or I can jump into that if, if you want to think about it some more
0: uh, yeah, why don't you introduce it so I have something to go off of?
1: Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, some people wouldn't find this as interesting, but I know I had one class in grad school about basically it was kind of like the history of the elements of worship that we have in our worship services, if you will. And part of that was looking at music and song and how that's evolved over time. And most of the I don't know, controversies or whatever that has come up with, in the church uh music has a lot more to do with like stylistic preferences. And, and really the most recent of that is the, do we have hymns or do we have like basically something that's not just a piano playing in the background and we sing to it, but like you have guitar, drum, you know, the whole band kind of thing. That's probably the most recent differentiation of, of styles of music. But hymns are, I mean, historically a pretty still relevant or not they're fairly new, I guess what I'm trying to say. Like, they're not that that, old, historically. I mean, if you go way back to, like, some of the earliest versions of what church music is, I mean, we would be like, how the heck did someone actually include that in church? It's very monotone. I mean, it's like what we think of, like, a chant or something like that. But that was, like, innovative for that time. They're just, that wasn't included in in worship. So, like, the church kind of evolved in including different styles of music. Um, But even some of the hymns, as far as I know, like there's some adaptation of like secular songs, for lack of a better term, and they just replaced it with Christianized words to some degree. So there's some of that going on, which we have somewhat going on today, probably more in like the 90s and 2000s that happened, um, at least within Christian culture in the United States. Um, And then there's been sort of this like ebb and flow, even within what we would call maybe contemporary or Modern. Again, the use of the terminology is kind of hard. to How do you explain that? Because contemporary is whatever is the, during the day. And so that's whatever is during the day. Like what we call contemporary, what happened in like 2000, which makes no sense. But um, to me, the biggest difference I've noticed within my lifetime with music is the way probably the lyrics have changed in, s- in their style. So not as much... I mean, obviously the tune has changed to some degree. But like... I have noticed where you had, you know, you went from hymns that have like a lot of times four different lines. So there's like, there's like almost a whole story that's being told in a hymn sometimes or, you know, it's not just the same line repeated over and over. Like it's definitely, there's some more substance there to some degree. And then when you got to like the like 90s and 2000s of with worship music, a lot of, there became a lot of like anthem style music where it's like kind of the same line repeated over and over, like a couple lines repeated over and over, which has its place. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, there's places even in the, in scripture where things are repeated over and over. Like that's not a inherently bad thing, but then that has kind of morphed into almost a clash of those two things. I feel like where the lyric depthness of hymns and the, song style of like you know the guitar drums all that kind of stuff has kind of melded together in more 21st century worship music where you have not just like the same lines repeated over and over like that's maybe somewhat in there and like a bridge or something maybe like that or the chorus but like we went to this youth event last friday right yeah Yeah, friday and um yeah last friday and there was a song that was included in that um event that I don't think I'd heard before but like for not having ever sung the song the lyrics, you know, it it was a hard song to kind of catch on to at least for someone new because it wasn't like oh I, we got through it a few times I knew the you know the chorus after so long like the chorus might have been that way but the other like every every what's it not stanza the verse Uh, verse. verse. yeah every verse was like a different set of lines so it wasn't like well yeah we sung that before so now i know the second or the third or the fourth so it was like all new words every verse you got so like i never really caught on to i mean the lyrics you know probably i think they told a good story like that wasn't really the issue it's just like for someone new though it wasn't it wasn't as easy to catch on to which is fine it just would take hearing it more and more and more times but my point is, is that it's kind of melding that like hymn quality of like multiple verses and like a richness of what it's trying to tell, but with a more modern sounding song style, if you will. Anyway, I feel like I'm rambling now, but
0: yeah, um for me, like I don't want to get, you know, too technical or anything like that. But as far as the, the music goes itself, I mean as a as a former performance major and someone who studied music theory, like I can tell you that the hymns and modern worship, like tonal music or what I what you would call like more melodic music more pleasing to the ears kinds of music very you know chords that we can appreciate kind of thing all those progressions are essentially the same I mean the tonal music hasn't really changed much I mean especially with the songs that I hadn't heard before that worship um last Friday it's like I mean I could almost predict where they were going with um uh, you know, chord progression before it even happened because, like, so many songs nowadays do the same things, and same with the hymns. You know, there's a couple differences, um, but I, I think for me, the biggest differences is kind of what you were getting at in terms of like the authorship or the lyricism. Um, whereas, like, a lot of modern uh, worship style will be in repetition you know, which I, I've noticed for sure. And I I think that has its place for sure. I mean, if you read the Psalms, you see that kind of repetition all over the place. Um, and then, yeah, I think for me, like the most important thing, like in that distinction is just like, is what is being written down lyrically, you know, something that I would want to say directly to God. And that is kind of where my, heart lies with it which is why i really enjoy a lot of the hymns um it's why i enjoy a lot of modern worship songs but that's kind of my litmus test between the two so i guess to encapsulate my thoughts i i, I think the the main difference is just in what lyrics or we you know what kind of um poeticism like you were talking about they're using but um for me the litmus test between them is just what would i pray to God, what would I say to God's face? You know, is this something that I want would want to give to God and worship is kind of how I look at things, but
1: Yeah, I think the last thing I would want to touch on with this topic is a little somewhat following up with what you just said. Like what what is it I want to say, be able to say to God? And I and I think this also touches back to the idea of like the faith being shared in like a more simplified manner. Like in a lot of ways the theology of the church, I think, gets passed on through music in a lot of ways because, again, it's it's a memorable way of, like, communicating the message. You know, it's not like we all can get up and give necessarily, a me- like, a sermon, but, like, we can mostly all quote lyrics. <laughs> like, that. that's easy to do because you're trying to take, like, a complex thing and, and put it into, like, a few lines. And I think it's, it's cool that that's possible. But at the same time, we do call, I mean... We could get into another topic of this thing about, I mean, we were talking about this before we recorded about how like, do we call this worship? Like I think one of my pet peeves is like calling the music portion of what we do on Sunday morning worship as if like that's the end all be all of worship. I mean, it, it is worship, but it's not the only form of worship. And so I feel like it's miscommunicating what worship is when we only call music worship, but I get what people mean by it. Yeah. But a lot of times it's called praise and worship. And so part of that is like, you know, giving thanks or recognizing God for who he is. And so it's using like language to communicate that. So in some form or fashion, like it becomes a, almost like a, a corporate or out loud prayer in a sense to God or praising God in that sense. But I know for me also like li- l- lyrics of songs like that have also become like when I don't have the words to know how to express what I'm feeling in prayer to God, like a lot of times, sometimes i fall back to songs because like it has encapsulated in an emotional moment for me how to express that and at least sort of like yeah god that's how i feel right now or something along those lines like this this expresses it and so that that's helpful and so i think those two things often happen for people within like a worship service on a sunday morning at least that's that's kind of where i would kind of wrap this up of like i think it does serve that role beyond just like communicating ideas as well. And that's more of an interactive dynamic for sure. Yeah.
0: I think it's time. All right. It's time. One, six, eight debate. Oh yeah. So Jordan, do you want to give, um, your, the question you brought up first?
1: Sure. So in light of the spirit, spirit of, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, it's not even the week. The next couple weeks, whatever. The Olympics. Do you watch the Olympics? Do the Olympics matter to you? Is it something you even care about? Yeah, kind of anything, kind of in that vein. But like, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's kind of the. I mean, the Winter Olympics are going on right now, but we can. It can be summer, winter, whatever. Like in general, does it matter to you? And where do you fall with that?
0: Yeah, I. um I don't normally take a lot of time to watch any of the Olympics, but. I do understand, like, that level of competition is, like, ridiculous. I mean, I, 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 was, I was having a lot of fun with you, actually, last night, watching, like, the men's Super G downslope skiing, which is just, like, this is so crazy. Like, you know, they could lose their balance and the whole run is done, or, you know, you're going off of, like, if you're, like, one guy was one one-hundredth of a second behind the guy on third, and because of that, he ended up, actually in fifth place and it's just like at that level like when you're getting down to those micro measurements of time it's just I mean you can't help but respect the level of competition that that is I mean and that's certainly all athleticism especially with the um you know the jumps (laughs) um you talk about risk for serious injury um you know you're putting your body on the line it might only be for a couple weeks out of the year but you know, lots of things could go wrong. So, yeah. So I, I guess I don't devote a lot of time to it, but I do respect them is my answer.
1: Okay. Yeah. For me, I think I, I like them a bit more from like a nostalgia point for lack of a better term. Um. I mean, I, I remember growing up like being enthralled with the Olympics and I think it was, I mean, there is something about it only being every so many years that's like, oh yeah, this isn't, I mean, it's just like not next year. Like you have to wait, like there's a certain amount of time. There's like an anticipation that comes along with that. I think for me, I was also younger. I was in gymnastics. So there was sort of the whole like, that's like the pinnacle of that sport. So there was always sort of that, like, you never know, or I never really thought I would ever become that. But like, that was always like, you know, I could kind of like imagine the track that an athlete who was in the Olympics went on to some degree or like, Hey, I do somewhat that sport or whatever. And, um, so that, that was, that was kind of a connection for like at least the summer Olympics. But yeah, I think for me, it's just the nostalgia of there's like history associated with the Olympics. I mean, you have a lot of the cultural and sociological elements that go along with the Olympics. Like, I mean, all the way back to like the Olympics being during when Hitler was in power and, um, just, yeah, all the political things that have always kind of asso- been associated with the Olympics, I feel like is kind of interesting because it may not be where, like, things are ultimately decided, but it does parallel a lot, of those kind of dynamics. I mean, even now, like, there's a lot, you know, cultural controvers- controversy with them being in China and, like, how China treats people as a culture and should we or shouldn't we even be take part? In- I mean, there- all those things are kind of a part of it, Um I mean, right now you have all the COVID stuff that's kind of layered on top of it. But anyway, I think that, that just, I've always been in the history. So like, that's kind of always been attached to it for, for one thing or another, but I've, I have found it harder to get into when, which I think this is ironic. Cause it's not like it's the first time the Olympics have been on the other side of the world and like delayed, but I feel like in our day and age where you can find out stuff more or like with some of the media packages you have, you can watch it earlier in the day if you wanted to. And it's. The whole like, well, this already happened and like I could have found out earlier if I wanted to. It's not, I don't know, there's just not the same like excitement of like, wow, I didn't know that till now, you know, that kind of thing. And that that's kind of been ruined a little bit. Um and just the way media in general has changed. Like I feel like this one specifically has been the first Olympics where I've looked, you know, turned on the TV and it's like when I would think they would like it seems like the Olympics, when they're when it's Olympic time, like the channel that has it, like it's on 24-7. And like this time it hasn't seemed like that's been the case so it's like did something happen where this isn't as important like you guys shell out all this money to to host this product and you don't even have it on like what's the deal here but but I do find like the sports are interesting like I could I mean I think it's funny like no one could care less about about ice skating but like care about it during the Olympics or same thing with like a lot of track and field stuff not that people who run care about it or like you know Parents with kids in school or kids in school who run track, like they care about that. But like, it's not like a, an NFL following level. But yet, like when track and field during the Olympics, like we want to see who's going to win or whatever. Like, there's a lot of cool storylines and stuff that come out of that. So I think that stuff's kind of cool. But yeah, so I, I'm, I definitely fall into like, no, like it's on. Like, I need to at least like tune in or something. I don't know. There's a feeling of like I need to, because like it's only on every so often. Um, so I, I mean, I probably sarcastically overhype it to some degree, <laughs> but but I do find it interesting at, at the least. So
0: if you're addicted like Jordan here, please call 1-800-NEW-YORK-HOPE.
1: Whatever. <laughs> I don't know about addicted. I'm just kidding. Um, it's fine. <laughs> but so yeah, I you're probably not as into it as I would be into it, but you.
0: Yeah, I find it fun like that. Yeah, it's just, it's fun. It's a fun watch, but I don't, I guess I don't have the, cuz you were, you know, you participate in gymnastics and things like that as well on top of watching it when you were younger so just kind of that dual dynamic for you I think.
1: Yeah. But I think like with the winter olympics like there's stuff like I have just like I've never really skied or snowboarded or any of that kind of stuff. But like like bobsledding and like the luge or skeleton I've never what I think it's, it's the, the luge. Anyway, like I think those are cool to watch like it it seems like it'd be probably terrifying, but fun to do to some degree, (laughs) but like, I don't, I don't, you're never exposed to that. So like, I don't know, it gets its limelight. So I I think part of it's cool just for like sports that get like highlighted that never, never get highlighted too. that kind of a thing. I mean, there's kind of this weird, like, I mean, a sport's got to start somewhere in the Olympics, but like every year, it seems like, or every time they have the Olympics, there's like, we're going to add these sports. And there's always this like, is this really like, should this be a competitive, whatever, that kind of a thing. But I know We were talking when we were watching this last one about how odd it is about the whole athletes who are competing for other countries, even though they competed for other ones before. And like, do they live there? Do they not live in the country? Like, that's been kind of a really weird... It's taken away from some of the like national connection stuff, I feel like. I mean, obviously, they're maybe connected if they're competing for the country. But that's been kind of odd for this one for sure. But anyway, I'll stop there. (laughs) Sounds good. but. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the 168 Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.
0: See you later, 168ers.